0: welcome to Beckett Talks, the podcast series from Leeds Beckett University. In these podcasts, we will be showcasing our diverse community of students and academics, touching on the important themes that surround universities today.
1: Hello, I'm Dee Grismond from Leeds Beckett University. Today I'm joined in the studio by Dr. Mercedes Rosello who is a senior lecturer at the Leeds Law School based here at Leeds Beckett University. Mercedes has a professional background as an international consultant and extensive experience in legal practice as a City of London lawyer. She has also worked in the non-for-profit sector where she has developed a special interest in conservation, management and trade of wild marine fisheries and the global and regional governance of the oceans. Welcome to the studio. Dr. Mercedes Rossello. So, first of all, can you start by telling me a little bit about yourself and how you got into
2: this particular field of research? So, my field of research involves ocean conservation and the reason why I became a researcher in ocean law is because I love the sea. I always have. I grew up by the sea. I'm a scuba diver and also I uh, used to work for a charitable organisation that specialises in ocean conservation. So working there was ultimately what motivated me to become an ocean law researcher. You mentioned there you
1: grew up by the sea. That must have had an impact on your research and your love for the ocean. Can you tell me a little bit more about that?
2: I grew up in Spain in the city of Valencia and my family and I uh, used to spend long periods of time each year by the sea so being in the sea and swimming snorkeling uh, witnessing the life in the sea is second nature also I've been very fortunate and I've traveled a lot and came into contact often with coastal communities people who live off the sea and these were experiences that um, also informed my choices and led me to my current research career.
1: So now let's start talking about your field of research. Can you tell me a little bit more about it?
2: So the main element of my research is public international law. That's basically my field of specialism. So can you tell
1: me about the big issues in your field of research at the moment?
2: The big issues in my field of research are quite a few. So, the ocean is in trouble, um, and it's in trouble due to a wide range of causes. Climate change, obviously, it's, it's a, a particularly big one, but it's not the only one. Overfishing is a particularly important uh, stressor of the ocean. And then pollution is also a critical problem at the moment. This is plastic pollution, but also other types of pollution. For example, pollution that is uh, caused by, by ships um, in their normal operation, and also multiple types of pollution that comes into the ocean from land sources, um, agricultural or industrial sources, for example. So unfortunately, these causes um, individually have a very important detrimental effect on the ocean, and but also compounded can be quite dangerous to... To ocean, ocean life and ultimately looking after the ocean is not just about uh, maintaining a clean environment it is also about supporting human life on earth so ultimately looking after the ocean means looking after us human beings. And this may
1: seem like an obvious question but why are the oceans so important to
2: sustaining life on earth and in particular human life on earth? In ocean governance, you realise very quickly that the ocean and people are interconnected very, very deeply and that the health of the ocean also depends on... Uh, you know, how how people see it, um, how important the ocean is for people and how much knowledge people have about what it takes to look after the ocean and to regulate the activities that happen on it and in it um, in a way that is sustainable and ultimately respectful, not just of the ocean and ocean life and ocean ecosystems, but also of future generations who also will depend on the ocean after we've gone. So working in ocean governance is ultimately about people I would say. So there seems a lot to take in there. So
1: how big do you think the challenge is when we're thinking about protecting our oceans for the future?
2: The challenges of ocean protection are significant. The reason is that um, stressors are multiple and complex and What occurs next is that uh, the ocean becomes less productive and doesn't support the human communities that it has supported so far. As this gets worse, there may come a point when things become critical. For many people, Perhaps the situation already is critical because climate change, ocean acidification, the rise in ocean levels, these are problems that are already affecting a lot of people. Overfishing also. Over the years, um, there have been fisheries that have closed because the fish stocks have collapsed or they have disappeared. But similarly, we also have recent examples of fisheries that have recovered, and they have recovered through good governance. They have recovered because the management has been good um, and because the regulation of the fishing activities has been appropriate and it has uh, created the effects that we want. Um, and so these examples are encouraging because they, they show us that with good law and good governance and good implementation, we can affect a positive change um, and we can move towards a situation of sustainability. Um, and that's ultimately what we want.
1: Can you tell me a little bit about your work and how you use legal frameworks to protect the oceans?
2: I'm a legal researcher and therefore um, my interest is in studying... Um, international legal frameworks you look at legal frameworks in two ways the the first way is you look at implementation and compliance um, so, when you study these legal frameworks, what you are actually doing also is studying people's actions, people's activities, um, and then you analyse whether those activities are compliant with the legal obligations that exist at this point in time. Uh, but that isn't the only way in which we study the law, and I, I would say it's not even the main way um, a lot of the time. Being a legal researcher also involves... Getting to understand the law, getting to understand how it responds to the big problems of our time, whether it responds appropriately, or whether it needs to undergo changes or or evolution, and if so, in what way. Um, So, a big part of my work is actually looking at existing legal frameworks um, and trying to um, ascertain how they can be improved and then in in what ways. Um, Sometimes improvements are not easy and particularly international law moves slowly, uh, moves often by consensus. So you need to bring a lot of parties to the table, you need a lot of discussion um, and uh, you need ultimately to reach agreements and sometimes this is cumbersome and difficult. But by the same token, uh, it's worth it, because there are legal frameworks that exist and have been created through that effort that have made a significant change in our journey towards sustainability. Um, So yes, those may be slow and painful steps, but they are always worth taking.
1: And what do you feel is the best way the law can help protect the oceans?
2: To um, improve the situation at the moment in terms of ocean conservation, I think the most important step is not so much the creation of new legal frameworks, but the appropriate and comprehensive implementation of the legal frameworks that we already have. Um, Certainly in fisheries, which is my, my field of specialism Um, There are a number of international agreements that are far from being fully subscribed and um, they have not been implemented as well as they could. Uh, There have also been recent examples of states that despite being parties to these agreements, they have not necessarily acted um, in accordance with the objectives of those treaties. This all forms part of the um, implementation of the law. Um, and I think good implementation is something that is very closely tied to the effecti- the effectiveness of treaties. My My view is that Whilst creating new law is important, um, there are already processes uh, taking place for the creation of new legal frameworks for ocean protection, Um, and and I don't want for a second to uh, underestimate how important this is. However, um, there is a lot of good law that is already in place, um, and I think that we could improve sustainability in significant ways if states um, implemented these agreements comprehensively and accurately. Um, And therefore, uh, yeah, that that to me is probably um, more urgent than developing new frameworks altogether.
1: So mainly people talk about the environmental factors affecting ocean conservation but are there other
2: factors at play here? Ocean protection in general is not just an environmental issue and fisheries sustainability is certainly not just an environmental issue. It is as much a human issue as it is anything else Um, and fisheries is in particular a human issue. There are so many human values, principles, priorities that are tied to to fisheries, uh, to fishing as an activity. It percolates communities in so many ways um, and in ways that are not necessarily immediately evident. We, When we think of fisheries or fisheries law or fishing, we tend to Picture, uh, you know, a, f- a fishing vessel, usually quite a nice-looking fishing vessel, sort of op- operating somewhere um, on a on a calm sea, but uh, the reality is that the fishing industry isn't something monolithic. It is a really a broad range of industries, um, and also fishing capture, which is the activity that extracts fish from the water, is just the first step in a very long chain of activities until the fish reaches your plate, basically. You you know, there's no reason why you should you should know what the chains in what the links in this chain are. But um, from from the fisher to your plate, there are many 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 steps. Um, you know, there are retailers, distributors, there are people that will process um, the, the the catch. Um, a lot of the time, that catch is processed or frozen on board, and there are many many types of vessel that are involved in capture and that operate. You know sometimes near the coast, sometimes in the high seas. Um, There are some vessels that can stay at sea for years. Also, the situation on board can be very diverse, depending on the kind of vessel that you're looking at. Uh, There are people who fish for subsistence Um, there are people who fish industrially there are people who fish very sustainably Uh, there are companies that have uh, objectives and targets that are connected to environmental uh, protections and human rights for example and there are also um, companies that are, are uh, predatory, you know, they will they will go to uh, to a fishery and they will take whatever they can without any regard to conservation. Uh, there are also terrible human rights abuses on board of uh, some fishing vessels, uh, but this is certainly not the case for all of them. Um, so you know, the, the the fishing industry is something. That uh, is really a world in itself. Um, and the environmental considerations really are just one dimension of many. I've been working in fisheries for a long time. And every year that goes by, I think I know the field less and less because it just becomes bigger and more complex. But nevertheless, very, very interesting. And uh, certainly, uh, as a lawyer, I think fisheries sustainability is probably amongst the most interesting and challenging areas and that's one of the reasons why i love it i suppose that was a really
1: fascinating insight into the fisheries i've never really thought about the fisheries in that way before
2: we all have a picture in our head of what what fishing means but um... you know a a lot of the time the realities such as much much bigger and and more complex also, there are good players in, in fishing as well. Um, we we tend to... I mean, certainly when I started researching this field, I was very focused on illegal fishing and, you know, very focused on fighting the, the bad actors. And that is very, very important. But it is as important to also reward the good actors. Um, you know, uh, finding ways to... Uh, to support the people that are trying to do the right thing. There are different ways of doing this, you know, and um, we can we can do it individually. When we buy uh, fish in our local shops or supermarkets, uh, we can look for markers of sustainability. There are a lot of NGOs out there um, that have got... Um, Sustainable fish guides that people can can look at to inform their choices and their purchases, um, and there are also companies that um, accredit um, certain products. Um, I'm not going to go into the discussion of whether they are good or sufficiently good. But I think it's important to not let the perfect be the enemy of the good sometimes. Um, And also, um, it's important to remember that, like so many things in law, and I think law students will come to recognize this as they progress um, in their their studies, many things in law are connected to finding ways to agreement you know, to, to meet others halfway. Um, and uh, certainly that is the case with international law. Um, international law is often the result of compromises. Um, and so often outcomes are not perfect. And, you know, this may not be satisfactory for everybody. But I think the important thing is that we need to ensure that they are good enough and that we keep progressing um, at a pace that is sufficient leeds beckett
0: university is a modern high quality university transforming lives through professional academic and applied learning and adding to the social economic and cultural life of our city and region We educate the bright minds that will help solve the problems of tomorrow. We collaborate with thousands of regional, national and international businesses to ensure our research and courses are contemporary, rich and relevant to meet the needs of our students and their present and future employers. Our campuses house exceptional teaching, research and learning environments which provide our students with access to state-of-the-art facilities. Across a range of disciplines, our researchers are striving to improve quality of life, equality and the environment around us. We are dedicated to making a difference. To find out more about Leeds Beckett University, our courses and our community of staff, students and alumni, please visit leedsbeckett.ac.uk.
1: And here we are back in the studio with Dr Mercedes Rossello talking about law and ocean conservation. Do you feel that the role of lawyers can have a positive impact on the conservation of the oceans?
2: I think the law is a really, really important instrument in the progress towards sustainability um, and towards um, ensuring ongoing health for the ocean. It is certainly not the only tool, But I would say it is one of the most important. There are many reasons for this, and the key is to remember that law pervades everything. Law pervades every part of our society. So when you work with the law, you realize that. A lot of the time you study the law because you're looking at particular problems but when you start to get to know it um, you then start to understand the little interconnections that begin to appear. So when I study sustainable fishing practices I start maybe with that specific area of law in mind but as I've Developed my research, I've come to realize that the law is important because it connects those practices to many other things that are mundane and everyday things like trade, things like data protection, things that would be much more familiar to people who maybe have have never seen the sea, who still would benefit from a healthy ocean. Um, Uh, you know, no less, because they may eat fish, seafood. Um, So for that uh, fish product to reach the plate of someone who lives in a landlocked city like this one, um, the law has to articulate um, a number of procedures that will ensure that that product is captured in a certain way, that it is healthy, uh, that it doesn't endanger human health um, and that it is transported within certain guarantees, not just of legality, um, but also uh, that other laws are uh, respected, you know, for example, labour laws, employment laws, tax laws. Um, And so that creates a really complex net of laws that interconnect with each other to enable this chain of events to, to occur. So Without the law, this just couldn't happen. Um, And without the law, you just wouldn't have the guarantees that you can go to your local shop and buy something that you can trust. Um, And what I hope is that before long, those same guarantees will extend to other areas. Um, For example, the legality of the fish that um, not only we here in the UK buy but in any country in the world. um, For example a guarantee that um, the capture activities that have extracted that fish um, are fully and appropriately regulated um, and so that we can all have the peace of mind that when we buy uh, some seafood it really hasn't caused harm to the ocean in a way that is excessive or unnecessary that was a really interesting point
1: you made there Mercedes Um, I found that really fascinating as someone who's not a lawyer um, the thought of law pervading everything is obviously something I've never thought about before so you seem so passionate about your subject which comes through in the
2: podcast completely how do you share this passion with your students it is the students who take the initiative in asking questions about it, which I'm always really, really pleased to see because at the end of the day, you know, it is their world. Uh, I think it, what what we do and, you know, what people of my generation have done, whether good or bad, will go on to impact younger people. Um, and so I'm always really pleased when students come and ask me about my research and I encourage them to feel curious about, uh, not not my research specifically, but anything that they are interested in that has to do with environmental protection and specifically ocean uh, protection. The way in which I go about it when it is not the students who ask um, is slightly different. I teach EU law um, here at Leeds Beckett University and I teach it as a general subject. Um, But obviously... It is easier for me and also uh, quite satisfactory to be able to use my research in informing at least part of my lectures. So um, a lot of the time I will highlight certain cases um, and I will also highlight uh, maybe events that have occurred recently that I feel may be interesting to the students. Um, So I use it as an illustration uh, to facilitate the understanding of general points of law and you know, it is amazing when you start looking into it how much you can do. Um, but also, I have to say that my research uh, doesn't just involve ocean protection. I also research um, other areas of law, for example, the European Union internal markets. There is a link to to fisheries that makes uh, the production of these examples and illustrations a lot easier. So, um, yeah, that's that's basically what I what I do. Um, um, tried to use my research as an illustration of how the general law works because you know ultimately the students have to uh, uh, understand um, the syllabus and uh, they are going to be examined on the law as set out in the syllabus. My job is to make it interesting for them and to facilitate that understanding. Ultimately their success is my success. So I imagine thinking
1: critically is really important when you're studying law. How do you get your students to think
2: critically about this subject? I think the best way to um, help students to think critically is to observe how the law operates in the real world. There are so many examples that they can get to know and and they can uh, analyse and through those examples um, they can see why the law is important um, and how the law can facilitate um, or otherwise obstruct life. These examples happen all the time around us. Um, Certainly in in my field of interest in fisheries law, there have been so many examples um, in the past, in the past year, in the past two years, but also going further back. These examples can easily be tied to case law, uh, for example, and that can be explained to the students. Um, in in my experience, students are uh, interested by the world around them, um, and so it is about connecting the law to their wishes and their uh, their lives you know their their existing uh, areas of curiosity and passion um, for many students, that will be like for me. Environmentalism is a passion, and so through that common passion, you may be able to connect and and create the conditions uh, for curiosity to to flourish. Um, but you know, even if environmentalism is not uh, what makes them tick, there are nevertheless. Many examples um, of everyday life that can be drawn into uh, lectures, and that um, hopefully will serve to ignite students in uh, uh, you know the, their own interest and to 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 want to analyse the law, to want to apply it, um, and to. To feel that they have got something really powerful and useful, that they can learn to use it and learn to understand it, and that uh, the law can not just improve their lives but also the lives of others, and you know, make the world a, a better place for humans and and for animals, um, for the environment, for everybody. So tell me, what are the key skills you try to develop in your students? I try to help my students develop legal skills. So, it is really important that the students come to know the law, um, but also that they come to understand why the law is important and what, uh, what it is that they need to look at in order to apply it. So, they need to understand real-life contexts, and then they need to understand how the law influences um, those contexts. For me it's really important to help the students have clarity. Um, The law can be complex and this can be intimidating and then create confusion. So um, for me it is a key priority to make sure that uh, students have clarity in in their heads as to what it is, what, what are the key features of the legal frameworks that we are studying and what it is that they need to to understand in particular, to to really have confidence in in using these legal tools. Beyond that, I think it is pretty much up to the students to want to do the best that they can. This will happen when there is an area that is of particular interest to the student. But I think once we help the students see the relevance of the law to their lives, um, that this really enables them to use the the law as a tool that they can understand that they feel confident in using and there are no areas of confusion you know that's probably enough <laughs> it's a, it's enough to uh, you know to have on your plate as a second or third year student yeah
1: so can you tell me a little bit about research informed teaching and why it's so important
2: research informed teaching is the process whereby we make sure that the information that we give the students is relevant to the real world, basically. So the ways in which the information can be relevant could be different and also depends on what subject you are teaching. Um, But the main thing is to help students understand the ways in which the law informs and shapes life at this point in time, and and also to make sure that the law, the case law, and any policy and other narratives that may exist around it are up to date, and that they take into account important events of our time, basically. That, to me, is the essence of research-informed teaching.
1: I think quite often people think that if you do a law degree, you become a lawyer. But there are lots of different fields that a law degree can lead to. Can you tell me a bit about the different careers our graduates go into?
2: When students leave the law school, there is a very wide range of careers that they can opt for. Being a barrister or a solicitor uh, you know, these are important choices, but it's not helpful to think of being a barrister or a solicitor as something monolithic. Within each of these pathways, there are so many specialisms that students can explore there are also other choices available to them they can work in industry there are many many industries that employ in-house lawyers this is always a good option uh, for students who perhaps want to have stronger connections to particular segments of the economy for example or maybe in in their backgrounds those connections already exist Um, another option that is uh, maybe less known But that is important, and um, this is actually my own background, is the third sector. You know, it's uh, working for a charity or an NGO. A lot of the work that charities do um, is very, very closely connected to the law, um, whether to do with implementation and compliance, Um, or to do with legal development. Um, And of course, don't forget that one of the most important skills that lawyers can develop is advocacy. And of course, advocacy is something that can be extremely useful to uh, charities and NGOs um, because work in the third sector often involves reaching out to others. Uh, And this may be reaching out to other people, or reaching out to specific companies, or reaching out to people in government or international organisations. So here research skills and advocacy skills are extremely useful and they can often uh, determine the successful outcome of uh, a particular campaign or project for a charity. Uh, maybe I'm a bit biased because this has been my, my own, my own uh, experience but uh, this is definitely uh, a field that I would recommend to explore. What I find so
1: interesting about studying a law degree is that the law is so broad so whatever personal interests a student has they can bring that into their studies and they can pursue that within the law.
2: Frequently happens that a student will already come to law school with work experience with knowledge of a particular type of work and also with a specific culture that has informed his or her life. Um, And of course, this can play a very significant role in the choices that the student then makes for their future career. Similarly, a lot of people come to law school when they already have a career behind them you know even people with careers that look maybe completely different like doctors nurses midwives um, people from the construction industry engineering they come into law because law pervades everything so it determines um, the standards in which Work in other fields has to be carried out and also determines, you know, the types of liability that may occur if those work activities are not developed appropriately or if um, activities harm other people. So uh, it is actually not unusual to see mature students uh, come into law later in life when they have already been successful in other careers. And that's also uh, very interesting to see. And of course, for these students, their choices in work are going to be a little bit different, possibly narrower, uh, but more targeted and ultimately very successful a lot of the time. So tell me, what do you think students enjoy most about
1: studying law at Leeds Beckett University?
2: I think students um, enjoy so many things about Leeds Beckett. We develop our courses and modules with the student in mind um, to try to enhance their learning um, and also facilitate their uh, options and um, ease them into future careers. Apart from the academic side of things, there is so much um, in the law school that the students can enjoy. Um, The location of the law school near the Leeds city centre I think is an incredible advantage. This is a fantastic city, especially for students, but for everybody, really. Um, It's full of uh, options uh, for socialising, culture. Um, It's beautiful. Uh, It has so, so much to offer. And also it is big enough to be interesting, but small enough to be easy. You can easily reach different parts of it. It has a fantastic atmosphere because um, there are so many students from all over the country and beyond that converge here. Probably, you know, if I could be a student again, I would come here.
1: Thank you so much for joining us in the studio today, Dr. Mercedes Rossello. That was a fascinating insight into the law and how it can help ocean conservation, something I'd never really thought about myself. So thank you so much for sharing your expertise with us today. The Beckett Talk podcasts are released every Tuesday. So don't forget to check our social media channels on Instagram, Twitter or Facebook to find out more details on our next episode. See you next week.